Hello everyone, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. You can learn more about detox tips and tricks at MyersDetox.com. On this podcast, we talk about everything related to heavy metal and chemical detoxification, uh, detox protocols, uh, biohacking, just all the latest cutting edge strategies to improve your health. Today we have my friend James Templeton, on the show uh, talking about his new book, I Used to Have Cancer. And he tells us about his story and all the different tips he used to beat cancer and then maintain his health. We talk about the macrobiotic diet, the pros and cons of the diet. We talk about uh, supplements and protocols that are great to prevent cancer. We talk about the role of parasites in candida and fungus in cancer and the importance in addressing those issues as well for prevention and cancer treatment and talk about other topics related to cancer. If you're watching this show, you're probably concerned about your heavy metal levels or heavy metal toxicity and want to figure out some strategies to detox. Well, I created a quiz based on lifestyle factors that you can take to very quickly deduce your potential levels of heavy metals in your body and what you can do about it. Just go to metalsquiz.com and take the quiz it just takes a couple of minutes and it'll give you a lot of a, you know, like a, almost like a, th- a free video masterclass on some solutions for very simple and effective detox techniques. Our guest today is James Templeton. He's a fifth generation Texan and he tapped into his fighting spirit and became an over 30 year cancer survivor who healed himself from a terminal diagnosis with the use of alternative medicine and healing modalities. As the visionary founder of Unikey Health Systems and the Templeton Wellness Foundation, James has since utilized his wisdom and experience to helping others achieve optimum health and wellness. In his latest book, I Used to Have Cancer, How I Found My Own Way Back to Health, um, his memoir, chronicling his amazing journey back to health. He is also the co-author of Your Body Knows Best. Now a resident of the Pacific Northwest, James dedicates much of his time to living a healthy lifestyle and and inspiring others to do the same. He also enjoys outdoor activities and spending time with friends and family. You can learn more about James and his health strategies and techniques at templetonwellness.com. James, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's it's a pleasure, Wendy, to be here with you today. So tell us about your story. How did you find out that you had cancer? Well, I'll tell you, I was living in, in Texas, and you can probably tell from my uh, little bit slight draw still, but I was living in Texas, and uh, you know, I thought everything was going great, and I was a young guy, successful young guy, and uh I, you know, had uh, several businesses and had a wife and a and a and a little girl that wasn't even two years old yet, and just had thought everything was going great. I guess you could say, and and I had this history of heart disease in my family, and my father and my grandfather, they both died at a young age of heart disease and heart attacks, and and uh, my mother died before I was two. And then I had a brother that died when he was eight. So I had all this death in my family. And I thought, you know, at one point in my life, I was going to be the next one. And, you know, and 
And uh, when I got a little matured enough to figure out that I needed to do something and start taking care of myself, I started to uh, exercise a lot. I started to run a lot. I I ran everywhere you would see, you know look, you'd see me running. And I was living in town uh, Huntsville, Texas, and I would be running down the road, and my friends would say, "I see you everywhere I go. You know, running. You must be in great great health." And I said, well, I hope so, you know, and I felt I thought I felt pretty good. But I noticed that uh, every time I turned around, I was getting some kind of cold or flu. And I also noticed that I had a lot of allergies, you know, a lot of a lot of issues like it seemed like uh, ragweed, things like that just seemed like everything really got me down. Well, here I was, you know, over 30 years old. And I thought, well, it's probably just because, you know, you're 30 and that's how it is when you get older and. You know, it, 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 I didn't know any better. And I just thought, you know, I'll just push myself harder. So I kept pushing harder and harder. But uh, there was a guy back in those, those days that was a big kind of uh, guru in the runner's movement. And that was uh, back in the 80s. And this guy was, his name was Jim Fix. And uh, a lot of people, you know, if they're a little older, they're going to know who he is and some won't. But Jim Fix was this, this guy that's, that uh, came from a background of heart disease in his family. His father had died, and he wanted to, uh, you know, prevent that. So he started running and doing all this exercise and fitness. And he talked about how, you know, if you if you do uh, a lot of this, then you could sidestep step a lot of the heart issues. So I thought I was doing the right thing. And uh, one day I went to my office. And I read in the newspaper, Jim Fix dies while running. Jim, running guru, dies, drops dead while running. And I just like, what am I, did I see this right? You know, so I, I started to uh, look at this and I, and I, you know, really didn't know what to think of it. But it scared me because here I think I'm doing everything right and I'm probably in good shape and all that. So uh, I thought to myself, I better go get checked out. I better get a stress test because I'd heard about these stress tests and, you know, back then. And I don't even know what they do nowadays, but they were doing these stress tests. They'd put you on a treadmill and get you get you going. And, you know, the faster you go, see where your heart was and, and all that. So I went to a specialist there in town and I got a, a stress test. And uh, the doctor comes in and he says, you know, I want to tell you something. You're in tremendous shape. He said, I, you broke the record. Nobody's done as well as you on this test. He said, you're, you're really, you know, the picture of health. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. He says that there's only one thing. He said, there's one thing that I see that maybe you might want to take note of. And he said, there's a mole on your back. And he said, there's a mole. And he says, it looks a little different to me. It has a little, little different shape to it. And I think that maybe when you get a chance, just go down to a dermatologist and get it checked out. So I thought, uh, well, I'll do that. And he said, it's probably nothing to worry about. So I didn't think a lot about it then other than I'll go down and get it checked out. So I, a couple of weeks later, I went into the dermatologist's office and the dermatologist says to me, he says, well, what's the problem? I said, well, I have this mole on my back and the doctor thought I should have you look at it. And he he says, okay, let's take a look. So he looks at it, and the guy just paused for a minute, and he started, like, freaking out. He just started, like, oh, my God, I think you have melanoma. And I thought to myself, melanoma? You know, what in the heck is melanoma? I'd heard of it, but I didn't know a lot about it. And he goes, 
melanoma. He says, I think you have melanoma. And he said, this, this can be deadly. And we've got to really, you know, take this very seriously. And he says, I think we're going to have to remove a large amount of the tissue on your back. He said, this, this to me is a melanoma. I know it's got to be. He was really excited. Well, I didn't like his bedside manner because it scared me to death. And then it, then he starts telling me, you know, a little bit more about the melanoma. And, and, uh, I said to myself, I'm getting out of this place. This guy's the last guy I'm going to come back and see. <laughs> and <laughs> so I got in the car and I don't know how I got home because, uh, you know, I had to drive about 10 miles to home. And when I got home, my wife, you know, I told her what had happened. I was very upset. And she says, Oh, you know, it'll probably be okay. Why don't you just get a second opinion? You know, get someone else to look at it. So I remembered a dermatologist that I'd been to several years ahead of that. And he had told me that, uh, you know, I'd had a basal cell on the back of my head at, at probably the age of 24. And, you know, which was awful young to have that. But he told me I probably should come in and get regular checkups, you know, because, you know, it, you might get another basal cell or you know, whatever. So, uh, but I remembered that then, and I went to this guy and he looked at it and he says, well, it looks suspicious to me too, but he said, it's probably nothing. You know, it's probably, if it is anything, it's probably an early stage and it probably won't amount to anything. So, um, he, he went on to tell me, he said, look, you know, instead of me, uh, doing anything with this thing, let's send you over to one of my friends and he's an oncologist. And he's in Houston, and he's like a really world-renowned guy. He really knows his stuff. If you have to go to anybody, go to this guy. So I thought, well, I guess, you know, I'm in the right hands. I'm going to the best guy maybe around or anywhere. So I go in to see this guy. I got an appointment, went right in. And the guy says, well, it looks suspicious to me also. He says, you know, I think that uh, the only way we're going to really know is let's go in there and take it out. Let's just see what it is. And he says, we can actually remove it right here in the office today. And he said, uh, uh, let's uh, have you lie down. So he went to, uh, you know, removing it. And he took probably about a two-inch square, you know, area around that mole. He took a big chunk out of my back. And he says to me, he goes, uh, well, uh, we'll send this in. He says, I'll, I'll let you know in a few days. He said, don't worry. There's nothing you can do. Just go home. Try not to worry. So, I mean, you know, someone tells you that you have a good chance of maybe having cancer. You know, that that not knowing time is really tough on anybody. And the doctor calls and and he says to me, he says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. He said, the good news is he says you do have melanoma. But he says, I think we've got it all in this area around the perimeter edges of this of this uh, incision that that we took out this plug we took out of your back and uh, he said but the bad news is he said it's very deep and it shows that the cancer is deep in the tissue he said with that in you know that deep deep uh, state of the cancer he says it's going to be a stage four stage four on something they call the Clark scale of measurement for melanomas. So he said, unfortunately, you know, we're going to have to really keep an eye on this thing because 
he said that this cancer is probably most likely going to spread. And he says, but, you know, uh, there's nothing else we can do at this point, but just have you come in every three months or so and we'll look at it. So anyway, I went after after three months, I went back in and there was no signs of the cancer spreading. So I thought to myself, well, that's good news. And it, you know, for a moment or two there, I started to feel like maybe the cancer will go away. Maybe I'll never see it again. So I go back in three months and I go in and he says, everything seems okay again. So now I'm thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe things are going to be okay. Well, I got back home and, uh, you know, I hadn't been fun to be around for the six months or so. And before I knew it, my wife had decided she couldn't deal with me anymore. Next thing I know, she leaves me. And uh, after that, I, didn't, I got to where I didn't care if I lived or died. A lot of people experience that when they're ill, chronically yeah. ill. It's very stressful on the other partner. And oh, yeah. many people find themselves being abandoned uh, when, they're, when they're not well. I, it it was hard on me. This really was a, was a real shock to me. You know, before I knew it, though, I found a lump in my groin area, and it was like a you know large marble. So I called the doctor and I go in to see the doctor. He says I'm a little concerned about it. Maybe chances are it won't be anything. So let's go in the next in the morning if you will let me. Let's go in and let's just remove that and see what it is. So the next morning I went in to have surgery. So I'm there and I wake up and I knew I was in trouble because I have this large incision, you know, with all these bandages in my growing area. So the next thing I know, the doctor comes through the door and he says, well, I'm sorry to tell you that, you know, the cancer has spread. It's spread to your lymphatic system. He says that, you know, I think you need to do experimental chemotherapy because a lot of the chemo doesn't work very well with this type of cancer and he said that what what I would like to do is 80 chemotherapy treatments and he said we'll do five at a time and it'll take you a week each time in the hospital and he said we'll we'll do a hypothermia chemotherapy where they elevate your temperature as high as they possibly could without it doing any any you know, serious harm to you. And then they would induce the, the chemotherapy. So he says, as soon as we recover from the surgery, then uh, we can start that and we'll just keep you in the hospital. You know, the other thing he says is that you've got a 20% chance of survival. Oh, God. If, if you can get through these treatments alive. Well, I think a lot of people in your situation, they're faced with this diagnosis. They have to have surgery really quick and then the doctors uh i don't want to say they use scare tactics but they give them these statistics yes. that get them into chemo the next day or the next week or the conventional treatments of chemo and radiation and do you do you see a problem with that where people maybe don't feel like they have an opportunity to explore their options because time's of the essence you have to do this right now or you're going to die I think what happens is people get in there and the doctor comes in and tells you something like that. You don't, you don't know. You haven't had time to research it, really, because you've been going along thinking maybe it would go away or I wouldn't see it again or whatever. But now now you're told this and, you know, and this guy's telling you there's nothing else you can do but that. And, and where I come from, I didn't know anything about alternative things or anything like that. I just 
you know, you get sick, you go to the doctor. But yeah, it scared me, and you, and it, it makes you think that I better do what he says, or I, you know, I'm really in trouble. Maybe there's a slight chance, you know, 20 percent's not very good, but maybe there's a chance in there that I can survive. And I, you know, I I was desperate, and I tell you, the next thing happened is that I got a call from my minister at the church I went to. And I answered the phone. I'm in the hospital. And, and this guy, he says to me, he says, look, I heard you're in there and I've been praying for you. And a lot of people have been praying for you. And he says to me, he says, you got to you got to beat this cancer. He says, you got to go to war to go to battle with this cancer. And it, it did something to me. It opened me up to thinking, you know, I do have to fight this thing. So I started to pray right after that. I prayed. I guess I prayed before and said, you know, help me make it through the night or through the day or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, or, I've heard people pr pray with their fancy prayers and this and that, but this wasn't any time for this. This was out of desperation. And this was out of like, you know, God, you know, or whether you believe in God, or the higher power or whatever, the universe, whatever it is, I knew there had to be somebody I could pray to. Well, after I prayed, uh, I got a knock on the door. It was probably 20 minutes later. And it was a friend of mine I hadn't seen in 20, in seven years. And here he comes through the door, and he's waving this piece of paper in his hand. He says, oh, he says, I heard you were in here. And a friend of a friend of my, at my office told me about this uh, guy that cured himself of cancer using this diet. And that's what this article's about. It's a book review. And I thought that, that uh, your friend could maybe use this. Maybe it would help him. So this guy walks through the door with this book review article, and I just knew right off the bat when he started to tell me what the article was in his hand. I said, I'm going to do that. I'm supposed to do what's in your hand. And he says, wait a minute. You don't even know anything about this. And I said, I don't have to. I just know I'm supposed to do that because, I mean, he told me a little bit about it, but then he went on to to uh, share with me that it was about a guy that had cured himself of cancer using a macrobiotic diet. Well, I, macrobiotic, I never heard of it. What's macrobiotics, you know? And he, he told me about this guy, and the guy was a well-known actor. He's on TV. And this guy was somebody that I knew who he was. And he was, uh, it was a t TV show and again, younger people might not remember this. There's probably reruns, but it was called the A Team. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a guy on this, and there, there was this uh, Mr. T and and uh, uh, George Perpard, and there was another fellow on there, and his name was Dirk Benedict. And Dirk Benedict wrote a book, uh, Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy. And this 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 book was what this book review was all about. This book. His name in the show was Templeton Peck. Templeton's my last name, Templeton Peck. Here's the guy that's, that saved himself with this diet from prostate cancer. And I'm thinking to myself, but this isn't meant to be, nothing is. So I got very excited. I had my friend go out and get the book. And when he brought that book back, I couldn't put it down. So I got so excited that now I had hope. I had some hope. I had some ammunition here. And, and possibly a weapon to beat this cancer. Well, the next day, I got another knock on the door. And the, this, the, the person that came through the door was my stepmother. 
And she, out of the blue, got this book from a distant relative about vitamin C and cancer. This book talked about how vitamin C worked very well for, you know, like uh, advanced stage cancer people, people that had terminal cancer. Uh, as long as they took high dose vitamin C, they would stay around and they survive a lot, at least four times longer than someone that, you know, didn't take vitamin C. So they had done studies on this. So I got excited and I said, well, I'm going to do this, this macrobiotic diet. And now I'm going to do the vitamin C also, and I'll do that chemo too, because I'll just, you know, I'll hit it three ways, and and in a little's good, a lot's better. So the next day, though, I got another knock on the door. So here comes this guy through the door. He says, I'm your hospital psychotherapist. He says, I heard that you were very, very uh, depressed, and I've heard that you, you know, weren't weren't feeling well and had a didn't have a very good outlook going forward. And he said, I wanted to talk to you. Is that, is there a way I can come and talk to you? And I said, well, sure. So, uh, I asked him right off, have you ever heard of macrobiotics? And he says, uh, he said macrobiotics and he goes and he shuts the door in the hospital room. He shuts the door and he comes back in. He goes, yes, I'll tell you what I know about it, but you got to promise not to tell anybody that we spoke of this today because I don't want to lose my job, my pension, you know, my retirement, all that. I don't want to lose it. And I've been here over 20-something years, and, and you know, they're not going to be happy of me, me telling you this. So now I'm getting really excited because here I think I'm really on to something because <laughs> here's this guy from the hospital side of things, from the conventional side of things. He's telling me about macrobiotics and, and something he knows about it. And he tells me that it's worked very well for a lot of people. And he said, you know, it's a it's a really good diet for a lot of people. And a lot of people have done really well with it. He said, but it takes a lot of work. It's a hard diet to follow. It takes a lot of changes in your lifestyle. He says, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and, and really go to war with this stuff, go to battle. And uh, he said, I even tried it, but I couldn't stick to it. But it says, you seem like a different person than what I told, was told. You seem very excited. You seem like you're hopeful. You seem like you're ready to try something else. And he says, I think this might really be very helpful to you. I was very excited, started reading everything I could about all these things. And I made up a plan. I'm going to do, you know, as I said before, I'm going to do all three of those things. And I'm going to do that. So before I knew it, it was time to do the chemo. So I started out with the chemo, and I mean, it was awful stuff. After that, you know, week, I made it through that. So I went home, and I got excited. I mean, I barely could get around after the surgery. I couldn't hardly get, you know, move. I was so, so stiff, and, you know, it, it was like major surgery, and it takes a while to get over that. And out of the hospital doing that, following, trying to follow the macrobiotic diet a little bit because, you know, I could barely get around, and uh, but but I was going to do I was determined to do this. And if it didn't work for me, it wasn't going to work for anybody else. And I had that kind of attitude and I developed that attitude. And after a couple of months of, of getting started with this new program, uh, I, it was time to go back and do the chemo again. So I had to go back in the hospital 
And what had happened is I got back in that hospital and I think they doubled or tripled the dosage because, I mean, it was so bad. They said to me, they came in and says, we're going to give you, you know, a lot of the, a lot of this stuff. And uh, we're hoping that your body's going to respond, you know, positively. So I went in and I was so sick and it made me so sick. I could throw, couldn't eat, couldn't, all I did was throw up and I was just miserable. And, you know, you couldn't sleep really unless they drug you with morphine, knock you out, and then you're out. Well, I said something to the doctor. I said, you know, this stuff is terrible. I said, I've never felt this bad in my whole life. And I said, how could this be good for me? This is awful. And he said to me, well, we had hoped that your body would respond, but it's not responding. And I said, well, then there's something else I can do. There's got to be something else I can do besides this stuff. And see, I was going on my second five treatments. And every two months I had to go back in the hospital for over a week. And he says, well, there's nothing else you can do. And he said to me, he says, uh, you know, uh, you know, this is all we know to do. And I said, well, what about a special diet or special vitamin C, things like that? He goes, ah, oh, none of that stuff works. He said, this, that's not going to help you at all. He said, don't even worry about that kind of stuff. That doesn't help. So Yeah, I can help you, but don't even bother trying to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I think help. people, a lot of people get those answers today. Um, yeah. You know, I had a, a friend of mine pass away from colon cancer. He had three different surgeries, exercised two hours a day, uh, really took care of himself. But uh, his doctor was the same way, like just there's nothing else to do like the all be really careful about alternative stuff a lot of it's a scam and just yeah. really completely turn him off to alternative methods of treatment yeah. but he died um so i think that's a it's a big problem people have to really be careful uh there's more than one person like not no one single person has all the answers no one single person has no. read the whole internet and all the different books and that are out there. You're right. Different things work for different people. And I think you need to be very aware of that putting your life in one person's hands. That's true. And I know when I was there and I asked the doctor, what would you do if it was your daughter or son? He goes, well, I'd do the same thing. And I said, well, this stuff's going to kill me. When this doctor started to take my hope away, you know, it, it really irritated me. And here I was so weak. And I was thin and I just felt terrible. And, um, you know, I, you know, and I, when I'd said to him, I said, um, you know, I just, it's going to kill me. And he goes, well, we're all going to die sometime. That's what he said. And when he said that, I raised up in that bed and I, I said to him, listen here, I said, you son of a bitch. Bye, Felicia. If I, if I can get out of this bed, I would tear you apart. I said the exact word. That guy turned as white as a ghost. And I mean, he turned around. This was the big time doctor. He turned around, walked out that door, and I never saw him again after that. And I made up my mind right then. I said, I am going to sneak out of this hospital. They're going to kill me in here. So at two in the morning, you know, I made up my mind. Here I was weak and sick and, and, and I mean, it just, it's like poison. It poisoned me. And I barely could get my clothes on it. And I, I kind of crawled out of the hospital. I mean, I snuck down the side of the wall. Nobody, you know, I was looking in there and I got out of that hospital at two in the morning and I got in my car and I drove to my stepmother's house 
again, you know, I was determined if I was going to go out, I was going to go out scratching and clawing, you know, and, and swinging. I was not going to give into it. I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, get started on this diet and really dig in. And I did. I got on the diet. I, uh, it, you know, it's very detoxifying, the macrobiotic diet. Very detoxifying. It, it's very alkalinizing. And it, uh, you know, was a, this diet that just helped restore my gut flora. It helped to, uh, you know, just on all levels, you know, just just completely kind of ring me out from the inside out. And and, you know, I mean, I'd made a lot. I had to make a lot of changes quick. I went up to do a uh, seminar at the Macrobiotic Center, which was that time was up in Western Massachusetts. And they were having these residential seminars and. And I was doing well by then. I mean, I was digging into this. I was doing the vitamin C. And I mean, after about three months, I just felt like a different person. You know, what the, what the vitamin C did, I could really tell after I did that for a while. I was doing 20,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C. And because the study that I read was 10,000 milligrams a day, well, I thought, well, I'll double it. You know, if a little's good, a lot's better. And, and I did that. And then I... Uh, I, I wasn't going back to, to uh, mainstream medicine anymore. You know, if I was going to go back, it was only to get maybe a checkup or a blood test. Or, But I, you know, after then, I kind of discovered, I guess what you'd say today, kind of functional medicine guys, you know, guys that were alternative MDs or, or, or naturopaths, whatever. And I did go to some of these people to, you know, that I thought to give me extra help along the way. But but for a long time, I was kind of like the like the guy, the kamikaze cowboy. You know, I'm going for broke, and the, the worst thing can kill me here, and I'm going for it all, and, uh, you know, I'm still around. And then, then I went to the Cushy Institute. It was where it was. It was the Macrobiotic Institute. I ended up eventually going there and working there, and I was the uh, operations manager there, and I started washing dishes there. They offered me a position to come there and just kind of hang out and wash dishes and uh, learn and to be around that and eat this organic macrobiotic food from the best chefs in the world. And we we had uh, residential seminars every week and people would come just like the one I went to. And that was one of the best experiences of my life being there, being around that. And I was there for about four and a half years or so. And then I... Uh, uh, had a friend there that was living was living at the Cushy Institute, and he had several health food stores. And he was seeing a nutritionist, and the nutritionist was uh, uh, a, a lady that had written a couple of books back then, and she was giving a seminar on uh, parasites, intestinal parasites. So I kind of thought that would be interesting to see what she had to say. So I go, and it was it was none other than Anne Louise Gittleman. It was very interesting. It was I learned a lot just from that that weekend seminar. Well, after the seminar, I went up to her and I introduced myself to her, and I said to her, I said, Anne Louise, uh, you know, uh, you know, I I've had cancer, and and uh, you know, you're talking about parasites and and the immune system and cancer and all that. Do you think that maybe I've, I have parasites? She looked at me and she says, I think you do have parasites. And I said, oh, my gosh, you think I have parasites? And I said, how can you tell? And she says to me, she says, well, because you have that parasitic look. 
<laughs> You're like, oh, thanks. Gee, thanks. And I'm like, oh, my God. I thought, I bet she thinks I look awful, you know. So I'm there. And, of course, I, I was very thin. And, you know, my color wasn't probably good and all that. And and she told me, she says, look, don't take it from, from me. She says, you know, there is a guy in New York City. We were we were up in what they call the Berkshires up in Western Massachusetts. And she says, don't take it from me. She says, you know, uh, you, you need to uh, get checked out, you know, if you if that's something you'd like to do. She said, there's a world renowned parasitologist and he's in uh, New York City and his name is Dr. Herman Bueno. And Dr. Herman Bueno was I mean, I never heard of these guys, you know, who's who's that? She said, look, I'll even go with you. She said, I'd like to meet the guy. I've heard a lot of good things about him, but I don't know him personally. But I would actually ride with you if you want to, you know, someone to ride along. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, if you want to ride along, here's somebody that's written books and that was very knowledgeable about nutrition and about health in general. And I thought to myself, yeah. And so she she said, well, let's go. And uh, so, you know, for long, we ended up going to New York. And I went in to see Dr. Bueno, and he says to me, he goes, well, let's do this uh, tissue swab sample here. So he had one of these teaching kind of microscopes where they got two-sided, you know, with, with the lens over here and here. And we're, we're both looking here, and he's over there, and we're looking at this, this, uh, uh, these samples under the slide. Well, I didn't know anything about it, but he goes, oh, my friend, he says. He says, you've got amoeba anti-amoeba histolytica. Well, I didn't know what that was. He goes, these are one-celled organisms. He said, this is like, you know, uh, a lot of it. You have a lot in your system. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know. I said, well, where would I get this? He goes, well, have you traveled a lot? Have you been to Mexico? Have you been to, you know? I said, well, yeah. He said, have you ever had like a bout of, you know, of uh, dysentery or I said, well, yeah, I've had food poisoning and, you know, I've had this and that. And he goes, well, my friend, that's probably where you got it. So then he looks at the other slide and he goes, oh, my friend, you have Giardia, Giardia lamblia. And he goes, have you ever, you know, been in the mountains? You drink from streams? I said, oh, yeah, well, I lived in Colorado. I've been, you know, done a lot of things. He said, this is bad. This is very bad. Do you have aches and pains? Do you, you know, started telling me all this stuff. And I said, oh, yeah. So then he then he does another slide. And he says, well, you have something called Ascaris lumbricaudis. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, that's roundworms. He goes, you're loaded, my friend. Very, very loaded. So I, he starts telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, you felt like you get you feel all these sensations in your body <laughs> crawling around. But he said to me, he said, you know, I have never seen a case of of, of uh, cancer or AIDS that didn't have any kind of parasitic involvement. He said, I've been doing this for years. I mean, he was an older man. He'd been doing this. He was from Columbia. And, you know, I it made sense to me because I'd had animals, dogs, cats, cows, hogs, you know, living out on a farm, living, you know, uh, around animals, you know, and and, and, you know, just eating lots of salads and raw foods. And I mean, people don't think about this, you know, and he said parasites is one of the most immunosuppressive things you can have in your body. 
He says, if, if you don't have, if you have parasites, your immune system is already taking a big hit. And he said, that's, that's a big problem with people with cancer or AIDS. We you know, want a lowered immune system. So I got very excited on a certain level because I knew that this was the next thing I needed to deal with. He says, I want you to come back in two or three months and you take these herbs. And he said that the, the uh, conventional medic medications, you know, does not work very well. He was a medical doctor, but he said, you know, the herbs are better. I've developed these formulas. And he said, because they work. Well, you know, I started taking these things and I thought, man, I just feel awful with this, these herbs. I didn't feel good. Well, I told Ann Louise, and Ann Louise says, well, I've got some other herbal formulas that I formulated, you know, a few years ago for, for a, a company, and you should try them because uh, I haven't had any of my clients com complain about this. So I took her up on it, and I got these other herbs, and they work great. I didn't have that feeling. And uh, so after about three months of doing the parasite herbs, uh, I, I did other things like pumpkin seeds, raw pumpkin seeds, as many as I could eat. I also did uh, mugworth tea, which was an herbal tea that, that, that are anti-parasitic. Uh, you know, I followed the diet. You know, I stayed away from anything sweet. You got to cut the sugar out. That's the first thing, you know. But I went on these parasites, and I mean, you cannot imagine what I started to see. I mean, it, it, it was scary and coming out of me. And I thought to myself then, I said, well, what about all these other people out there that have cancer, maybe AIDS, other, you know, immune, immune issues, severe health issues, whatever, uh, fibromyalgia, things like that. I said, what about these people? Well, you know, I thought about it really hard and I knew that I was supposed to do something else besides you know, what I was doing at that time, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd come from a business background. And and so I made up my mind that once I got rid of my parasites, I was going to look into maybe uh, seeing if there's a way I could help others. So after about three months, I went back to the, to, to the uh, doctor, Bueno, and he says I was all clear. He said no signs of parasites and all that. And I felt like unbelievably better, and I started to gain weight. I started to put on weight, started to feel better, and, uh, you know, I, I was excited because I felt like this was my maybe my calling in life is to go and to develop something or get involved in helping others. During the night, one night, I woke up with this idea of creating this company, and the company would be called Unikey Health, and Unikey would stand for Universal Key to Health, which would stand for getting to the root of all these health issues that everyone has, you know, these digestive issues, these these feeling tired, all the things that everyone, the cancer, everything else. As soon as I could, I was going to start this business, but I didn't want to do it out there in that area, and I ended up uh, moving to uh, New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, Ann Louise. Meanwhile, me and Ann Louise became very close friends. And before we knew it, we, we sort of like, after a while, she helped me so much, and I, I really looked up to her. We ended up being a couple, you know, and uh, we ended up moving to Santa Fe together. 
and uh, she was willing to go and, and go to Santa Fe. She also had a teacher there in that area that lived in Albuquerque. And she was uh, kind of considered the, the grand dame of, of uh, nutrition back then. She was 103 probably when I met her. And uh, Dr. Hazel Parcells. And this was Ann Louise's first original teacher that got her interested in holistic health. And, and Dr. Parcells was, uh, I mean, she was unbelievable. And, and I, when we moved there, one of the first things we did, we went to meet her. And uh, I got to meet her, and I, I thought she's going to be in a wheelchair or bent over, you know, on a walker or something. Uh-uh, not her. She's walking around. She's got this staff of people. And she's telling telling everybody, you know, ordering people do this, do that. And she was so charming and such so full of energy and so vital looking. I mean, I mean you know, you think of someone 100 years old is kind of on their last leg, not her. She taught me so much. She taught Ann Louise a lot of lot over the years. And uh, I learned how to develop products, you know, the way she did. And uh, eventually I started Unikey and I started, uh, you know, doing the parasite thing. And, I, and I, you know, when you start a business, it's slow going. But it didn't take long for us to get really busy with the parasite thing. Ann Louise was seeing clients. And uh, she was running all over the place traveling already. She'd had a couple of books. So that wasn't an issue. But but I developed my own product line, you know, just because I knew it was so important. And I, after meeting Dr. Purcells, you know, I, I was still on this strict macrobiotic diet. And one day I was working with her in her lab. And she says to me, she says, honey, she says, uh, let's go have some lunch. And I said, okay. So we go into her lab, and she had this crock pot going with all this food in there. Well, I, I, I didn't eat meat. I didn't eat anything but brown rice, beans, occasionally a little fish. That was it. Anyway, we're there, and she tells me, she says, look, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, beans and ham hocks. And I said, beans and ham hocks? I said, doctor, I can't eat beans and ham hocks. She says, honey, you got to eat this. This is good for you. She says, I clean everything up. She says, everything we do is healthy. You know, I wouldn't give you anything that's going to hurt you. And I said, well, I haven't had this in years. She says, but you, you need to start eating meat again. Or you're going to get sick again. She looks at me and she says, your color's not good. You know, you, you're, uh, you don't look that healthy to me. And she says, I, I want you to get, be healthy. And she said to me, you know, you're going to have to start eating meat. And, you know, it's very important, especially for, for the kind of cancer you had. Well, she knew all about everything. So I looked at her and I said, all right, I guess I'll have some. So I started eating that. And here I'd been on this other diet. And I and my body was like a sponge. It was, it was really good. I'm sure that was the and best I, taste in beans and ham. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And, and I... I <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, it's either going to kill me or something. But 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 how can you argue with someone that looked like her and it was so vital and so knowledgeable? I mean, she you can't imagine. I've never met anybody to this day that could hold a candle to her. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a good very good point you made because many times the diet that gets people well is not the maintenance diet 
for long-term longevity and That's health. True. A lot of people have cancer, should probably go vegan or macrobiotic or whatnot, but not everyone. Um, but once they're well, they need nourishment. They need certain foods that are vital to health, like saturated mm -hmm. fats. You have to have saturated fats oh, to yeah. absorb minerals into your bones. And so that's where vegans can get into trouble in that respect yes. of osteoporosis. And not to mention, that's just one thing that can be a health well, one issue. One of the things I noticed when we were in the macrobiotic, uh, you know, when I was living out at the macrobiotic uh, facility, that people had cholesterol under 100. You know, I mean, that's so low. I don't remember what mine was. It was low, though. But, you know, at the time, you think, well, low cholesterol, that's good, right? That's heart attack risk. Oh, yeah. I mean, cancer, heart attack, and all that. So you're right. You know, and, and people get very deficient. Now, if you want to go and get a broom and clean yourself out and get yourself really, you know, detoxified, then there's not a better diet out there than that. This it's you know it also gives you the fermentation for the for for the uh, intestinal flora. You know it's got the anti-cancer foods like miso. It's got the uh, uh, you know lots of things. I mean watercress. We ate a lot of watercress. It's, there's a lot of studies that show that you know and the cruciferous vegetables and and uh, the sea vegetables are very very good for that and. You know, there's so many things that it's so good. And, and but, you know, I to this day, I kind of believe in a diet that sort of used bars a little from that bars a little bit from what Dr. Purcells would t taught me. Uh, I believe in, in the fermented foods. You know, I believe in more protein, you know, but the issue I found that a lot of people that eat too much animal protein you know, like too much meat every day. Some cancers do better with that, like more of your your lymphomas, uh, leukemia, melanomas. That's what I had. That a lot of people seem to need a little bit more meat than than someone has a more of a hard hard uh, organ or whatever you want to call it, cancers such as like prostate, uh, breast cancer, things like that. Things like that tend to be need to cut back on that a little bit more but uh, of course with everything you want to cut the sugar out you have to cut the sugar out and you got to get rid of all the things that are that are loading down your immune system i met a man by the name of hal huggins and uh, dr hal huggins which the is not with us anymore but what a master in his own right and i met these masters and and this huggins was unbelievable and, you know, he was into the, the mercury amalgam and, and and then later on more into the root canals and, and the issues with the teeth, you know, with the toxicity in the teeth and and the, uh, you know, the, the, the problems with the anaerobic bacteria and all that from all this. And he talked a lot about, you know, the parasites. He talked about that. He talked about when you have parasites, you can't get rid of the, the, a lot of the metals. It's very hard to get rid of this because you've got to detoxify from kind of the ground up the same way. And, you know, of course, he used a lot of vitamin C like I did, you know, to help chelate a lot of these metals out and chelate the mercury, you know, especially with the IVs. And and it, he was remarkable because you would see people come in sometimes with a cane or in a wheelchair and they get up after just removing this mercury out of their mouth and detoxifying them through the through the IV therapy and through, uh, you know, certain certain uh, other detox 
And the fact is you'd see these people get up and walk out of, out of there. It's like you're like, oh, my God. You know, and then I'd hear these stories. So I, I was very impressed with him along the way. And I knew I was on the right track with the parasites. And uh, so that was the way I started my company I have now is getting kind of to the root. And then I got into the yeast and the fungal and the candida and all that because usually that all comes hand in hand. And then I studied with a doctor, uh, Robert Bradford, which was out in uh, California. And I worked with him and, and you know, with, uh, was certified under his, uh, his uh, microscopy program and uh, learned a lot from seeing people doing research, from seeing before and after. And, you know, you'd see anybody that had cancer, for example, but their immune system's asleep and they had parasites. Most of them all had parasites, just like Dr. Bueno. The other thing I saw was that when people came in, they had yeast and fungus in their body, lots of candida, heavy metal toxicity, low amounts of vitamin C and uh, in his program. I mean, you could see things like, like, you know, unbelievable things. And I learned that very well that that it's all, I mean, everyone's similar, but it depends on how much toxic load they have, you know, how much intestinal flora they have, how much, uh, you know, I mean, what is really loading them down, causing the problem in the first place. Now I know kind of what cancer is. It doesn't just happen, and only 10% of it is genetics. And uh, everybody thinks, well, my mother had it, my father had it, I guess I'm going to have it. Well, you wrote a book. You wrote a book called "I Used to Have Cancer," and so where you chronicle everything you've learned. And I did. When does that come out? That's coming out uh, hopefully uh, in April sometime, but but at least by the end of April. And uh, it's "I Used to Have Cancer," and and people can find out more about it. I used to have cancer dot com. Uh, they could uh, pre-order the book on there. Uh, hopefully when we, this comes out, the book will be out there for them, but, uh, but they can always order it there and there's, uh, free downloads of the, of things that I do to myself every day for prevention. Uh, the, the, some of the recipes that I use and follow on a regular basis and also the top supplements that I recommend are on that. Yes. That's fantastic. For the, yeah. those are for preventing cancer preventing cancer, building the immune system up and, and detoxifying on a regular basis. And, you know, I talk about other things like, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in far infrared saunas. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I believe in, uh, you know, detoxifying on a regular basis, exercise. My book does tell the whole story, gets into everything that I did back then to get well and what I would do if I had to do it over again, because you learn as you go along the way. Yes, you And, do. you know, just like uh, coffee enemas, I think, are very helpful. Uh, some people can take more than others. Uh, I think that people need to, they definitely got to detoxify the, the heavy metals out of their system. Tissue mineral analysis are good for that, you know, hair analysis. And you got your, your, your endocrine system, you know, and your pH is a big deal. You know, in your system, and if you're too acidic, you know, that's just going to feed cancer, you know. So you want to, uh, you know, there's there's so much you can do. And to me, it's not that hard when you understand the whole thing. The hard part's rolling your sleeves up. The hard part is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, support, 
people that don't think you're nuts nuts because you're doing you know you're trying <laughs> to take care of yourself and you're concerned about what you're eating. I have a foundation, Templeton Wellness Foundation, that I just started here a while back because I got sick and tired of seeing you know good friends, uh, colleagues. Uh, co-workers, people that I've known over the years die of cancer. And I just got tired of it, you know, and and uh, I wanted to at least speak out more. I wanted to sh- share my story and I wanted to really help people to understand that, hey, you know, cancer is not a death sentence. And on my foundation, we're, we're, we're uh, interviewing people, survivors that have survived for 10 years or more on a you know, on diet, natural diets, uh, detoxification programs, uh, sometimes the combination of conventional and, and holistic. But we're, we're interviewing people and we're putting the common threads together so that we can let these people know that there is hope. Don't give up. If they can do it and I can do it, then they can do it too. But they've just got to get their head on straight and believe and understand that, you know, not believing and being fearful and uh, is is going to floor your immune system, you know, and the stress, whatever, if you're in a lot of stress or if something bad has happened that, you know, you got to you got to get over it and go forward. Well, James, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your story and all of your tips. And I really encourage people to go out and get James's new book. I used to have cancer for tips and tricks on how to prevent and address cancer if you currently have it, and go visit James' site at templetonwellness.com. James, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Wendy. It's been been wonderful. Yeah, and everyone, thanks so much for tuning in every week to the Myers Detox Podcast, where I try to bring on guests to really illuminate the importance of heavy metal and chemical detoxification. Uh, mineralizing your body, and and so many other biohacking tips and tricks that we have every week on the show. So thanks for tuning in, and I will talk to you next week.